All right. Welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Doing great. This is episode 48. And yes. this is uh, roughly about a year anniversary of when we started this podcast. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And today we have a very, very special guest. He has a massive resume, especially in the coaching world. So today we have Casey Fracken with us. So Casey played uh, as a teenager in the BCHL and also played for Wesleyan University. Uh, he started uh, with his first assistant coaching job at St. Michael's College from 2014 until 2016. Since then, Casey has loaded up his resume working as an assistant coach in multiple leagues, as a scout in the USHL, a video coach for the Lithuania L- Lithuanian. Yeah, it's a hard one to pronounce. The 18 team and a head coach for the uh, HC Europe under 18 white. So he is currently serving as an assistant coach for the EC Castle Huskies in the Dell 2 League in Germany. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Casey Fracken. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks. And uh, congrats, guys, on, on 100 ups. On, uh, sorry, on one year. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's nice to be on your guys' show. Yeah, and you, you have a lot of uh, hard hard things to pronounce in your resume, and, too, man. I'm over here like I thought I had that and, down and, beforehand. And Casey, if you don't mind, I'll stop you right here. Since he is my son, you never heard of Lithuania before? I don't <laughs> know how to pronounce that. That's Come a tough on. one. I'm looking at that like, you, that's, that's a little tough, so I don't know. I almost restarted this episode. No, we'll let it go. Anyway, well, Casey. It, it, it's, it's a good thing you, you don't bring out the map and say point it out. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in trouble, yeah. All right, Casey, what a resume. And, uh, you know, you've done a, a, a lot. I just want to start with a little bit in your playing career because we've had had um, some guests actually uh, uh, graduated from the BCHL, so the British Columbia Hockey League. Can you give us a little taste? And uh, you kind of were a journeyman in the uh, BCHL. So what was your what was it like playing in that league? And uh, you got to kind of travel around to different teams. Yeah. BCHL has, even at the time I was playing, and uh, particularly now, is um, definitely I think as the as the reputation is probably the best junior A league in Canada. That's not like the W, not the CHL, so not the WHL, the O, or the Q. Um, and it's a league where guys are trying to get college scholarships um, to go play in the states, and that's something that uh, I really was aspiring to when when I was coming up. And um, my brother, I have an older brother, he played in the BCHL before me. Um, so really looked up to him and, and wanted to get into that league because it was, you know, it was just really, really cool to see all these, you know, small towns in BC, you know, a few thousand fans a game, and they really support the teams um, well in all the communities there. And, and just, um, so it's, it's just a really cool league to be a part of. Um, a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches. And um, I honestly, I was a journeyman in that league, like you said, like I, there was nothing special about uh, my playing career um, in junior hockey. And all I wanted to do was, was just basically uh, survive and, and eventually try to play college hockey in, in the States. Um, so I, it, yeah, I mean, my my junior hockey career, you're not going to be looking at my running down my points and saying, oh, like, you know, you lit it up or anything like that. Um, but it was it was uh, a really, uh, a really interesting time in my life. And, and I learned a lot about myself. And uh, I, I think I came out of it, um, you know, a better person. 
So we should say, uh, and you're coming across to us uh, technology-wise loud and clear, but in case there is a, a little bit of a, a lag time, Casey's joining us from Germany. What town in Germany are you in? Yeah, so I'm in Castle, Germany uh, right now. And that's uh, it's in North Central Germany uh, for anybody uh, who wants to look at a map. Yeah. So uh, if there's a little bit of a lag, Andrew, that's, that's why. So Andrew, take, take the next question. Yeah. So how did you, uh, what, what led to your decision to attend West Sand University anyways? Well, originally I went to um, a school in New York called Elmira College. Um, I was recruited there um, first to play um, for the hockey team there. Um, and it was at that time it was a really good program um, at Elmira. We were a nationally ranked team and, and um I just kind of wasn't really playing because we had a, you know, there was just guys ahead of me that were better. Um, but at the same time, the school was not really what I was looking for. Um, and long story short, I, I ended up transferring to Wesleyan university where I played uh, the rest of my college um, career. And, and that was a great place for me um, just uh, from an academic social and a hockey standpoint. Like I loved it there. Um, we, we had a, I'd say a decent hockey program. Um, some guys that I played with who did, um, play some pro hockey. Um, so it was, you know, for D3, it was pretty good. Um, but just the total package of the school, like it's, um, like it, it just really was, was a great place for me. So take us through, you've got so much experience. I mean, video coach, scout, assistant coach, uh, you've worked, you know, the elite hockey schools with power skating and, and strategy. Um, you know, how does all of, of working these different jobs prepare you for, for the, for the coaching that you do? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, all experience is good experience in hockey. Um, so, uh, the stuff I was doing earlier on, um, it kind it, it's definitely prepared me for my role now, but at that time I was just trying to do whatever uh, early on, I was just trying to get my hands on whatever I could do. Um, so the video coaching, um, I mean, every coach, uh, whether it says video coach on the resume or not, like you're on your computer a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I'm grinding tape all day. It feels like sometimes, um, but yeah, so there's, yeah, I, I did some, some video coaching with, with the Lithuanian team, um, the Lithuanian national program to, to kind of get involved there. Um, and then, uh, the scouting stuff when, so when I, I, I never ever, um, wanted or had any desires, uh, to get into scouting or be a scout. But when I first came to Europe, um, about five years ago, uh, I still wanted to have, um, some sort of toe in hockey in North America. I didn't want to completely just come over to Europe and forget about, you know, or leave behind the hockey network in, in Canada and the U S. And so I figured, Hey, do you know what? Like junior teams, maybe they need a scout um, out in Europe for some of their import spots. And I was fortunate enough to, to get connected with uh, Sioux city in the USHL and, um, did a little bit of scouting for them over here. And um, which was I, I, what I liked about that was it really made me focus on watching hockey from a different standpoint and just trying to evaluate 
the right player for the right league. And it was um, it just, it just forced me to watch a game from a different standpoint, which was helps me now because now in, in my coaching, um, not only do I, not only is part of my role um, focusing on the day-to-day of our team, but also um, I scout, uh, you know, and I write uh, individual reports on each player um, on every team in the league. So um, that's a big part of my role. And uh, so I'm not only in my pre-scouting to team um, each team we play to see what they do, but I'm watching the individuals. Um, maybe that's a note for our defensemen, like, hey, watch out for this guy. This is what he does, or our goaltenders. Um, but also, you know, we also acquire players you know, during the year or obviously in the off season. Before my coach says, or my, sorry, my head coach, uh, Tim Keller says, Hey, uh, you know, what do you think of this guy? Well, I already have those notes on him and, and I've watched him in, in good detail. So I can, so I have an opinion. So the, um, the work ethic and the drive, we talked about this a little off air. So um, going through, you know, your, your resume, you know, you kind of start out uh, volunteer coach at uh, Stevenson. And, you know, like I said, you get involved in some scouting. And it reminds me, uh, we had our uh, few guests, Mark Strobel, who uh, podcast just dropped today. Um, and he was an assistant coach. He wanted to get into coaching. And he was like, you know, I, I assisted. And then my first job was like $7 an hour. We had on Jeff Tui you know, the longtime general manager for Petersboro. And he talked about, he volunteered for scouting um, when he really had no uh, experience at all in hockey. And he just started volunteering. So it seems like guys that are looking or gals looking to get into the hockey world, there's a lot of, uh, you got to sacrifice and pay the dues. You're not just going to get a call from a team. Is that kind of, was that your experience when you started volunteering? Yeah. I mean, my, well, my first job um, at St. Michael's, I wasn't, I wasn't volunteering. Stevenson was, was my second go. Um, but I mean, at, at St. Michael's college uh, in Vermont, uh, it's a division uh, division two school uh, that, that plays division three. Um, I might as well have been a volunteer with, with what I was getting paid. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the ability to volunteer, I, it, it is, you know, I think it comes from a place of, of passion and desire to, to do what you love to do. Um, but it's also not possible without, you know, the support of, of my, you know, parents who, you know, they're, they're putting up with their college graduate kid who's, you know, not really getting uh, the return on investment of a four-year college degree um, right away. So, um, obviously I was, I was fortunate, um, to have the ability to, to volunteer, um, to do certain roles. Um, cause when, um, when I left St. Michael's college after two years, part of it was, was just a, a visa issue for me working in the States cause I'm Canadian and, um, whew, it, it left me with, with little, um, little to, or very few options in, in the college game. And, um, I ended up, uh, att- I was attending grad school online, um, at, uh, at Georgetown, which is close, uh, to Stevenson University, Maryland. 
And so I just ended up switching my online enrollment to an in-person enrollment. And a friend of mine was already the assistant coach at Stevenson University, another Division Three program. And I just said, hey, any chance you guys might need a volunteer assistant? And um, the head coach there, Dominic Dawes, was, was fantastic about bringing me in and, and giving me a role as, as a volunteer. And I, basically that year I ended up um, doing uh, in-game video coaching, uh, which was something I, I had never done before, even with uh, the Lithuania stuff I had done before. But I was up in the every game I was um, on the computer, live tagging the games like a like a real video coach would do um, at, in like the NHL and the laptop in between periods uh, to uh, to the other coaches and, you know, saying, hey, this is what I see. Um, and then I had my on ice role in practice. So um, it, all that all that said, um, even though it, it was volunteering, like I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And it's not just because I love coaching, but because the staff I worked with there, um, the other coaches was just great guys to work with. Yeah. And so I, I was always kind of curious what that label volunteer meant. I didn't know if it was as direct as volunteer didn't get paid. Cause when I saw like when Mike Babcock was a uh, let go from the Toronto Maple Leafs, he accepted a volunteer job. And I was like, why would a, you know, a guy who's just making millions of dollars go to a volunteer, but I was like, maybe it was, he's still getting paid, but it was maybe the label. Is it really as straightforward as, I mean, you're coaching for free. And if so, oh, why I, is that, why is that in place? I'm curious. Uh, well, well, I'm definitely coaching for free. Um, unless you count like the, the, the post game meals on the bus from road games. Uh, I, I got some pizza. Yeah. And I got some, and I got some cool team gear. Um, so that was nice. Um, and I think I got a stick out of it too. Um, but no, um, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're really a volunteer and with the, the way the NCAA just designs their coaching rules that each staff is limited to a certain amount of coaches, um, division one, I think is allowed a, a couple more or one more than division three. Um, but on that staff in Stevenson, uh, the head coach, there was a head coach, um, a full-time assistant coach. Um, there was a graduate assistant, a coach, um, who was my friend, uh, Zach Vitt, who, who brought me, uh, who helped me, uh, get in the door there. And so, um, they are allowed a volunteer coach. And, um, so a lot of teams will use that in different ways. Some programs use that as like a goalie coach, which is pretty common. Um, I think when Mike Babcock went to, did some stuff at UVM, um, I think that was I mean, I would just, I'm just speculating, but I would just think that if he was a volunteer coach, it was so he could, you know, finish getting paid out his contract with, with Toronto. I don't think he would give up that nice little salary there. I didn't, I didn't think so. So take us through, um, I'm really interested with the uh, Lithuanian under 18 team. You, you, you video coach and also assistant coach because they, I think they were bronze medalists in group A and B at different uh 2016 in IIHF uh competition is that right Casey yeah so um yeah so I I was the I would I was the assistant coach slash video coach um on that U18 staff and then I actually went with the men's team as well to their world championship event and was more or less a similar role 
uh, more so video in the men's event than the U18 event. Um, just for, for, prob- for the listeners who aren't familiar, maybe the, what the IIHF does beyond like the regular world championships is they have world championships for all the smaller countries um, that work to get promoted to the top group. So our, that Lithuanian U18 team was, I believe it was division two a, which means that there's the top group, which is where you'd see Canada, us, Russia, Sweden, et cetera. And then you'd have division one a, and then you have one B and then two a. And so to put things into perspective, that group, uh, with that U18 team, uh, I was with team Lithuania. We were in Romania for the tournament and the other teams in the, in the tournament were Poland, the Netherlands, Croatia, and, uh, Great Britain. So not really any powerhouse countries. Um, but these types of smaller world championship events, are really, really cool experiences. And I, I was really lucky um, to be a part of that. And I, I ended up doing four tournaments with the, with the Lithuanian team. And, so how, do you, um, how, did you, how did you get hooked up in Lithuania? Yeah, so uh, complete luck, to be honest. Um, so the, the longer story of it, so when I was at St. Mike's um, in Vermont there, uh, my boss... Um, Damien DeJulian, um, he was trying to organize a trip for our St. Mike's team to do a trip in Europe. And so that one of the guys he got connected with was a guy in Europe um, who uh, his name is Jim Tibbetts. And he is a, he's actually a Boston guy from Charlestown. And he, but he's been living in France for like 40 years. And he organizes trips for uh, college teams and, um, and prep schools, uh, to go travel around Europe and play exhibition games. And he really does a, a cool thing and organizes these trips that are top notch. Anyways, uh, he, aside from doing the trips, he was a longtime coach with the French national program. And then he started the Irish national team. And so he was really involved in international hockey and a friend of his was coaching a friend of his was the men's coach of the Lithuanian men's national team and asked him to coach the U18 team. Okay. Hopefully we're following along at this point. Yeah. So so anyways, Jim uh, tells my boss at the time, Damien, Hey, I'm coaching this Lithuanian team. And Damien says, uh, well, my grandmother's from Lithuania and Jim says to him like, Hey, like, would you like to come be the assistant for, uh, for this tournament? And so, so my boss team and gets on board, um, fast forward, um, about a year later, our team's actually doing our St. Mike's team is doing our trip in France. And, um, just between, uh, my boss Damien and Jim, we kind of just all hit it off really well. And, uh, one night we're just at the hotel bar having, having some, some wine. And I, uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, the Lithuanian thing. And I just say to Jim, I'm like, Hey, like any chance you guys need a video coach. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and he says, uh, I'll let you know. 
So left it at that, wasn't expecting anything, but I, you know, I dropped a hint that I'd be interested in, in going if I could. And uh, two months later, I'm back in the office in Vermont and I just, uh, I get a phone call. It's, it's Jim and he says, uh, if, if you want to go to Lithuanian, sorry, if you want to go to Lithuania with, with us, you're in. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, all, all you got to do is just buy the plane ticket and, and, and you're going. Um, so sure enough, bought my plane ticket and, and that's how it all, all kind of started. You at least got reimbursed, right? Uh, yeah, I did actually, I think. Okay, that's good. I did. I like, yeah. I mean, you get the job, but you got to pay for your plane ticket. I'm like, no, sometimes well, I like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, come on, man. If you, if you no, it's dog, dude, sometimes it's like that. You got to pay the dudes. Interesting. How well, many free gigs? We're, we're musicians. So I'll ask him this. And well, Jimmy, how many free gigs have you done? Yeah. All right. So then shut up. Yeah, that's true. You got to pay your dues. Fair enough. Well, do you know what? Like uh, that year I was lucky because I won my fantasy football league with, with all my buddies. So that, that <laughs> fantasy, those fantasy football winnings literally paid for, for that flight. That's hilarious. <laughs> in, uh, in 2017-18, you venture out to the uh, EBJL in, in Austria. So we, we keep hearing from our guests, which we didn't know before, a lot about hockey in Australia. And it's pretty Austria. Uh, Austria, sorry. And it's pretty popular over there with a lot of uh, North American players going over there to both play and coach. So um, what's that Austrian hockey like compared to North America? Let's get your take. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so that's, that's at the youth level that, that I went over there for. Um, so um, um Good question. When, when I was heading to Austria, honestly, I, I had no clue what, what I was getting into. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I, I did have the experience with the Lithuanians um, and that kind of U18 um, level. So I had somewhat of an idea of, of how the hockey was going to be. Um, but, I, but at the same time, when, once I got there, it was completely different than I thought. Um, the interesting thing about where I was working, so I was at the Okanagan Hockey Academy, um, which is a Canadian um, operated um, academy in Europe and, uh, and that have teams that play in the Austrian leagues. It's kind of like a prep school. And um, so our teams were built up of kids from all over the place. We had, I think my first team in, in, at the Okanagan Academy had was represented uh, with kids from over 13 countries um, to put things into perspective. Like it was really, really unique and really cool. Um, and then the Austrian league, it, it's, especially at the youth levels, like Austria is not a big country. So there's not um, a great uh, dearth of talent um, throughout the country. Um, but there are a couple of really strong programs. So um, like we would play against the Red Bull Academy which is really good, like on the level of any top, you know, U16, U18 or U20 program um, in Canada or the US. And then there's a couple other programs like uh, that have really strong um, uh, like Austrian pro teams like Klagenfurt um, and, and Filak. I mean, they have some really strong junior programs with players who do make it to their, their pro team. Um, and then there's some clubs that, um, you know, aren't as good. So 
you know, you're playing some, it's, it's what the cool part is, is, is you get to play against some of those really good teams. And then you play some other teams who, you know, you, you should win those games and they're competitive. And then the kids have fun when they play some of those games where they're winning, you know, by 10 plus goals. But as a coach, you're like, this is terrible for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but o- overall, just, um, you know, from my standpoint as, as a coach, I learned, I learned a ton of just about, um, you know, how hockey is in another part of the world. Um, because when you're from Canada and, and just growing up in, in Vancouver, like I did, where, you know, there's hundreds of, of top, top hockey players at every age group. Um, you think that, you know, just good teams grow on trees and then, you know, you get to a country like Austria that, you know, they, they are developing some really good hockey talent. It's just not as the, the depth is just not as great. Um, but as a, it's just, just really interesting to see what, what they're doing and, and how some of these clubs are working with less uh, to try and accomplish more. Is there a, a language barrier problem? I understand a lot of countries do teach English, but has that been a problem? Because, I mean, you're now uh, on a coaching a German team. So Lithuania, Austria, Germany, all these players from all over. Is it a problem or not? Uh, it depends. Um, so with the Lithuanians, um, I'd say half the kids spoke English, could speak and understand English. Um, some kids, their English was just so-so and somebody else would translate. Um, I, I learned all my, my Russian swear words though. So that was fun. <laughs> um, and then, uh, in Austria at the Okanagan Academy, it's actually an English speaking Academy. So, um, coaching was in English. Uh, the only time where language was a real issue there was when I had to work uh, the uh, the youth camps for kids who were like un- like 13 and under, and those kids uh, their English skills weren't quite there yet, and so my- I had to put my German skills to test. And uh, so me trying to coach in German, especially my first couple years, was uh, probably a sight to behold. Um, <laughs> but uh, now that now in Germany. Um, like my, we coach in English, um, the whole team, um, everybody is fluent in English. Um, even the, all the German players, um, I think that's common in, in most of the pro leagues, um, in Europe, English is, is the predominant language. So it's, it's, it's not a problem. And also, um, what I like is, is like, I am trying to learn German here. Um, so, um, it, it is, it is fun when I can, you know, kind of, sh- you know, just, uh, just chat, chat some German and, and uh, with, with some of the guys and, and then they'll say things I don't understand and they just resume in English and it's, uh, yeah. 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 So when you're yelling at the team and you got half of them looking at you and like, they understand you, you got the rest of them looking at you like deer in the headlights. I mean, is it, uh, there's gotta be a translator on the ice at all times with them, right? Even in those other countries for the English. Uh, well, there's, there's no yelling at this job. Um, I got I'm the assistant coach, so I got to play good cop. Oh, um, okay. Good call. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I mean, even if I did yell at my old job, I mean, I, I, I'm sure some of the kids' English wasn't good enough where, where they understood anything other than coaches pissed. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually it's, it's, it's interesting. Some again about the backgrounds where, where kids come from, like uh, with, uh, with the Lithuanians and Eastern European kids, um, they're kind of brought up under like a, 
more or less a Russian system of coaching where yelling at kids is very common. So some, like some of the other coaches that I was working with in Austria, they're like, they won't respond to you unless you yell at them. And I'm just like, what? Like, you know, I'm trying like not to be the yeller. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So you go on and you end up uh, serving as a scout in the USHL. So, I mean, dude, did you ever take a break and sleep or was it as soon as you were done one job you were looking and, and take, you know, taking the next one? Yeah. I mean, with the, so the job with Sioux city was, um, the, the scouting with them, that was another, uh, that was also, um, volunteer, but it wasn't the cool thing about that was, um, was, it was just kind of on my own accord, what, whatever I wanted to do, um, I could do. And the, the expectation level was, was pretty low. And, um, the, um, because the way it works in the USHL is, is they're only allowed uh, four imports per team. Uh Um, so, and suit like all all those organizations, they already have their own connections with, with agents and stuff like that. So I would say like, maybe I was scouting for, for one spot uh, a season, um, or, um, you know, one or two draft picks a season. Um, so it was kind of just what I felt like doing and, and what I liked about that, what I ended up kind of um, owning how I own that role was I just started going to international events. So throughout the season, um, a lot of uh, these European countries, they do U17 and U18 and U20 tournaments. So I would, uh, so uh, my program in Austria, we'd have international, we'd follow along with the double IHF international breaks so I'd get a week off and then I'd drive, uh, you know, being in Austria, I'm close to everything. So I would drive a few hours to the Czech Republic. I'd go watch, you know, the Finnish U18 team play uh, the Czech U18 team or, or something like that. And just watch a couple of games, write some notes and then drive back. And um, so it wasn't like I was, you know, doing a, like a ton, but I, I was, I was just kind of making, you know, whatever I wanted to out of the experience. And um so it, it was cool though. Like I, when, when I, uh, I went to the NHL draft cause it was in Vancouver, um, a couple of years ago and, and they're going through, you know, the first few rounds and I'm like, okay, I know that guy. Like I saw this guy there. Like I, I knew any player who had played in Europe, like I had probably seen them play at these events. So it was, you know, just from a, just a hockey fan standpoint, it was cool to, to be like, eh, I'm not sure that guy should have gone that high or, Oh, that's a really good pick, you know? And oh. I, in my opinion, like I'm probably wrong, but. So you've, you've now stepped it up and you're now coaching uh, pro here in Germany, castle, Germany. What's the difference between this uh, obviously this role compared to uh, a youth role. Uh, so, sorry. You cut out for a second there. I couldn't hear you. Yeah. So you landed in castle, Germany. So um, I'm not sure if this is your first pro team or not, but what's the difference between dealing with a lot of, you know, youth compared to now you're dealing with pros? Yeah. So it is my first pro stop. Um, and it's in, in some ways it's, but in other ways it's not, uh, which is interesting to say, Um, you know, I, I really think, um, my past experiences really prepared me, um, for the, for my current role. Um, because at the, when I did three years of of division three college, um, I was coaching guys who were, 
you know, 18 to 24, 25 years old. And, um, they, when I started coaching college, I think the oldest guy on our team was only a year younger than me. Um, so then, and then here, um, at, in the DEL two with castle, um, you know, our youngest guy is, uh, is 20 years old this year. And our oldest guy is, I think 30, uh, 35. So a couple years older than me. Um, but so on that end, it's different. I can't talk to our, our 35 year old starting goalie, uh, the same way I talk to an 18 year old or sorry, a, a 19 or 20 year old, uh, young player on the team. Um, but, uh, I, I would say it, it was just the only difficult thing about it was just um, really adjusting to the type of player I was dealing with, I guess, in the sense that like every player on our team is so different. Um, so it's not like in the ECHL or the American league, like everybody is kind of at the exact same level or like, you know, um, in our, in, in the DEL two, we have a handful of import players who have, significant experience in the pro game already um, guys who have played lots of games in at least on our team in the American league or the East coast league or other top leagues in Europe. Um, then we got, we have to roster a certain players to develop German talent and hopefully turn them into um, players who can play at the highest level in German hockey. Um, so, uh, you know, comparing, so just work, like I said, working with a young German player and, and working with uh, somebody who's, who's been at much higher levels than I've seen, it's, um, you know, just how you converse with them and how you approach teaching them. Um, that's probably the biggest difference than uh, the kids uh, or young players, uh, because when you're dealing with, uh, you know, the kids I dealt with in Austria or Lithuania, they'll listen to anything I say. Like I could tell them that uh, every time you cross the blue line, you know, jump as high as you can. And, and they, they probably might try it um, <laughs> until they realize that it's this stupid. <laughs> so um, what are you in charge of specifically uh, penalty kill power play, anything like that? That's uh, sort of your baby on the team. Uh, not that stuff um, yet. Um, you know, I I'm still from, from a tactic and, and sort of owning that type of stuff. Like I'm, I'm still learning that stuff. I'm my, uh, uh, the head coach, uh, um, he's, he's taking care of all, all that stuff. And, and I'm learning a ton from him, um, every single day. It's like a really, you know, really good experience just to learn how, how he coaches that stuff. Um, so my primary role is just developing our players. Um, so, that this is where some of the stuff I've done in the past really comes in. Like I'm on the ice every single day doing extra stuff with our guys. Um, I'm doing, so just trying to get our players better is, is my, is my main goal, like on an individual basis. Um, I'm doing a lot of, like I mentioned, like a lot of scouting of other teams. So um, doing that. And then I manage um, like our off ice program and um I mean, there's a few other, you know, daily roles and, and things you need to do. Um, but that's, 
you know, that's, that's kind of the bulk of the work and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, I, I, you know, hopefully, uh, as I progress in, in my coaching career, you know, I'll, I'll have the pressure of, of owning, um, a certain aspect of a team. Um, but we'll see. And, and, and then I guess I, I, I do, uh, and then the last part is, I guess I, I, I do coach the D, um, in the game. And so, you know, can't forget about that. That's kind of a, a big thing. <laughs> except, except if it's a blowout, then don't own it. Yeah, like, exactly. I yeah, I didn't coach that. Game. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what are your goals over the next few years? Yeah, your professional goals. You're, you're 32. You're already, you know, knee deep into a lot of, uh, you know, behind the scenes and and coaching aspects. So, not to like blow where you are and not get your boss upset with you, but what's what's kind of your goals over in the future? You're only 32. You know, uh, if you asked me this question a few years ago, I might've had a, dis- a different answer. Um, because a couple of years ago, my goal was to try and get into the pro game. Um, and so, um, but now that I'm here, I've honestly, I- I'm not even thinking beyond like just this week. And, and in terms of like my sanity as like a human being, like I'm, I'm way more comfortable that way. Um, because, I used to, especially early on in my coaching career, like I was really fixated on, you know, what was next and, or, you know, and and then I just, I got to a point, um, as I was kind of aspiring for different things, like where I was just like, you know, you can't really control like what's next if you don't take care of the right now. And that's not to say that I wasn't, Uh, caring about my responsibilities at any job before. Um, But I don't think I was as effective as I am now because like, I am just, I don't have the time right now to even think about, you know, what, what lays in the cards, you know, in the future. Because if I don't do a good job now, um, I might not have a job tomorrow. So (laughs) good answer. Um, Good answer. You know, so um so yeah, like it's, I, you know, every, every coach wants to, to move up and, you know, become a head coach if you're an assistant and, or whatever. But, you know, right now I just, I'm honestly just really focused on, on just doing a good job here. We're going to move to the lightning round. And if you've, uh, you, you said you listen to a few podcasts, so we're going to ask you a couple quick uh, questions, whatever pops in your mind first, let us know the answer to this. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll start first. So as far as being on a, um, um, a staff, a coaching staff, team staff, whatever, out of all the places that you've traveled to a lot of rinks, which has, which rink had the worst ice and locker room conditions? Um, okay. So it's, uh, we, I, I won't say where, but we, we just did training camp. Uh, our rink just got renovated, um, over this summer. And for all of training camp, we weren't in our home rink. Um, but we were at a, in another, uh, a club's rink here in Germany for, for part of our training camp. And it was literally the worst ice conditions I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> I won't say which, which team it was, but part of it is because they play in an open air stadium. So it's basically just like 
almost like just having a roof over the rink. And when you have, uh, in the wintertime, it's fine when it's cold, but in the summertime, when uh, it's still warm outside, um, it doesn't work out well in terms of maintaining ice. And uh, yeah, so the ice for our training camp this year was awful. Um, the locker, the locker rooms are, um, the worst, the worst locker rooms I've ever seen. Um, and I just want to throw another NESC, NESCAC team under the bus for, uh, you know, for all the division three listeners out there, but con college, um, in, uh, in Connecticut, we, the away team has to dress in, uh, in, I think badminton lockers, the badminton locker rooms, and then walk like all the way to the rink. Like it was, it was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, like it's, uh, it's a good, it's a good school and they got a lot of money, but they have terrible, um, hockey, uh, dressing room facilities. Strange. Wow. Yeah. Which country has the craziest fans that you've experienced so far? Um, definitely, definitely Germany. And, uh, last it, and, and I'm saying this with very limited experience with the fans, um, because last season we had no fans. Um, but in the handful of games that I've coached so far this season in exhibition and our first two regular season games, um, the fans are, are insane. Um, especially here in castle, like we have, um, our, like our fans here are notorious for just being loud and we play in a rank with a low roof. And so at our home opener, we had 4,000 fans. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even hear like guys on the bench when I was trying to talk to them, like, or they probably couldn't hear me, which, you know, might be good or bad, might be good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> um, what yeah, is, it's, it's crazy. What is the craziest thing that you've seen in a game, whether you be a player or you're on the bench, what's the craziest, weirdest thing that you've seen during a game happen? Who, um, um, that's an interesting question to, to think about off the top of my head. Uh Um, so, okay, actually that, that's funny. One story just pops to my mind from when I was playing. Um, but, uh, when I was in junior hockey and I was playing, um, for merit in the BCHL, and we were playing uh, in Quenelle, which anybody who's been to that rink, it's an absolute dump. Um, and it's a really small rink. It's a tough place to play. They had tough teams. And we're in the middle of a, of a game. And I think it's 1-1 in the third period. And the fire alarm goes off in the <laughs> middle of the game. Yeah, I'll never forget this. The fire alarm um, goes off in the middle of the game. And so all the fans leave the building and then we get, we get undressed and we get on the bus. And, um, so every guy on our team is, we didn't even shower. Like we were just, cause our coach at the time, he was just like, let's just get, get the hell out of here. Like, let's just go. We got a, you know, six hour bus ride back. And anyways, we're on the bus. We're about to leave. And all of a sudden our coach says, okay, we got to finish the game. And so we're just like, what? 
because apparently if we didn't finish the game, like we'd ha- it would just would have been a huge mess for the league. So we go back in the rink and we, uh, we all get changed again. I don't even think we did like a, pro- a proper warm up or anything like that. Like we, we go to play the last 10 minutes of the game. The game goes to overtime and, uh, and, uh, we just said, uh, whoever scores, they got to do stop, drop and roll. Like <laughs> they score. And anyways, one of our guys scored in overtime, we won the game and he did the stop, drop and roll. <laughs> um, but it was just, yeah, just the idea that it just popped in my head, like fire alarm went off in the game and we went on the bus and then we went back and finished the game. It was, uh, it was pretty strange. That's pretty That's good. It's pretty good. So I know that this last question is, is pretty broad, but again, the first thing that comes to your mind, favorite hockey memory in your career thus far, thus far. Who, um, so just, uh, I would have to go back to, uh, just recently, just, um, I, I would just say the, the, my entire last season, um, if, if I know that's not one memory, but the entire last season here in castle, um, not just cause it was my first year of pro hockey. Um, that was the best hockey team I've ever been a part of player or coach. Um, and our team ran away with the league title. Um, we didn't, we, we end, we ultimately lost in game five, the decisive game in, in the, in the finals. Um, but just, we were so good. We had three 10 game winning streaks last season. Nice. Um, and then in the playoffs, just being in that type of playoff hockey, even with no fans, I would say the reason it's so memorable is because like, if I could bottle up that feeling that I had on the bench, like as a coach, that whole playoff run in particular, and like, if I could sell that, I'd be like a billionaire because like, even though like it didn't work out in the end, it was just like, just the most unbelievable hockey experience to be a part of. Cause we were so good. Like there was just, there was like no bad days at the, like there was very few bad days at the rink, which is like completely rare um, in a hockey season. Like, like I, I, up until the, up until the, uh, the finals, I don't think we lost three in a row the whole year. Um, nice. It was just, we were just, yeah. So it was, it was too bad that it happened like in the final series. Yeah. Well, this has been a great time for us, Casey. Uh, you're again in Castle, Germany right now. So it's kind of crazy for us to be talking to you one-on-one all the way over in Germany, but uh, we can't thank you enough for your time, for the stories and being on our, our podcast. We thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Th- thanks a lot guys for having me. It's uh, this is a fun experience. Uh, really, uh, really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. All right, Casey, we're his first podcast and i and i do have to say uh put him on the spot here a little bit now that he's not on air first of all great guy and uh but he was kind of like uh you know hey uh you know i i I didn't play any ahl or anything like that you know why you guys interested in in us and boy he just brings that international perspective oh yeah even though it's you know under 18 um and he did deal with with a men's team as well but now he's he's 32 He's got all this coaching experience. He works at a lot of his big uh, hockey schools as well. Uh, he's got the scouting that he's doing. I mean, he's just going to, I think, turn himself into a powerhouse with a, with a coach. We'll see how he does with this uh, pro team. 
you know, being assistant coach, but uh, certainly a great guy to uh, get on the podcast to give us a different perspective rather than, you know, like playing in the AHL, ECHL. I mean, his has been, you know, paying dues and working the way up the coaching ladder. And we, I know we do have some listeners that uh, are looking to get into coaching and even some lower level scouting things. And some of our past guests, Jeff Tui, yeah. Mark Strobel, you know, all kind of started by doing the way how, how he started, Casey, uh, volunteering and then doing whatever needs to be and then working your way up the ladder. So we wish him the best of luck and, and certainly going to follow his career. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at his elite prospects page, he's got quite the resume. So, you know, he's a very modest person. And like yep. you said, although he hasn't, you know, this is his first pro team he's worked with. I mean, he's a go-getter and uh, very knowledgeable, obviously. And uh, he's held a lot of different jobs, you know. I mean, it's not like he was just an assistant coach for the past seven years. He's done a lot of different things, which, you know, one of your questions was, you know, how does that shape um, your coaching ability? And like you said, it helps him a lot. So, interesting guest um you know this is going to be awesome episode and we appreciate everybody tuning in today thank you for tuning in episode 48 comes to a close take care